course with Michelle Obama. <laughs> that, I think that was like a one-time experience for everybody. Um, I was like in a green room before they put us all on the call. And she was like, hi, Mecca. And I was like, <laughs> you're like, oh, me? I was like, wait, you know my name? <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Stewie's World. I'm Brianna Stewart reporting live from Russia. I'm joined today by the one and only Neka Agumake. Hi, Neka. Hey, Stewie. What's up? How are you? I'm well. Um, Post-bubble vibes. I know you have some great post-bubble vibes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is, to be honest, this is my first um, recording from Russia, so I had to kind of get the logistics figured out. Um, Definitely need more adapters, but... (laughs) We'll get it. We'll get it taken care of. So I think, you know, obviously we have a lot to talk about just because, you know, there's only three days, four days left for voting. But I want to get your perspective from the bubble wobble first. As the WNBPA president, first, I want to say, you know, from the player side, we're super thankful for for really all that you were able to do. I know that, you know, you were probably the one that really worked the hardest to make the bubble happen from the player side. And then even in and during the bubble to just kind of keep it going and and make sure we had the best and and all that we really needed. So really, thank you and appreciate you for doing what you do. Thank you. It was really a pleasure. I mean, you know, it's not often that you get to play in a bubble, obviously, Mm -hmm. Um, but then also the opportunity for me to be able to to just do it with everybody there was, it was really cool. It was really, really cool. And so I'm really grateful for that. I'd have to say, though, that it was quite the experience, you know, and everyone has like the same and different experiences based on like where you were and what you were doing um, as far as like your accommodations. And it's it it was a lot, but uh, I'm very grateful for it, especially because of what we were able to accomplish with amplifying our voices. But also, too, there was like a camaraderie that I was able to. uh, that that I didn't know I could experience by being in one place with everybody at the same time. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I think I felt the same. And I was kind of like, I think we were trying to be as prepared as we could as far as what to expect in a bubble. But right. you can't expect to be prepared for a bubble. But I no. think, you know, like you said, the, the camaraderie be- between all the players in the league, even with the league and, and league staff, just to kind of have us all be on the same page as far as what our real message is and and why we really are having this season. Obviously, you know, we wanted to have the 2020 season because we were just continuing to gain momentum, but um, it was bigger than what we were doing on the basketball court. And I think that, you know, that was something that was extremely special. And I think, you know, I just think like the 2020 season, that's going to be the season that when we look back, it's going to be like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, like I was just even thinking like as we were in, Bradenton, like this is going to be something that's going to be in a book somewhere Mm -hmm. um, in terms of what we experienced. Um, But most notably what we were able to accomplish, you know, I, I was particularly proud of um, obviously in a pandemic, not having health risks that um, people had been experiencing. Um, But then also too, like just how we were really able to just be ourselves in a way where people were watching. Like we, we had our platform and we, um, it wasn't new to us, but we might've introduced many people to who we are and how we operate as a league, as a, as a league of women, as a league of black women. Um, 
and for us to to truly make a stand and and increase ratings, increase eyes on us, increase viewership. Like it was just so amazing to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to be too forward, but I feel like you know, obviously the WNBA has always been at the forefront of social issues. And, you know, we know that as players, you've been a part of that even before I came into the league, just continuing to kind of stand up and speak out. But I feel like, you know, like you said, the rest of the world is kind of catching up and realizing, you know, what we stand for and what we do. And, you know, more comments of appreciating what we're doing and like being on the same side of us as us instead of, you know, go back into the kitchen. Yeah, um, that's that's, even, that's not even funny anymore. Like, I don't even know why people keep saying that. It's like little teenagers. I mean, they're the same <laughs> ones that were they're the same ones that were upset that we were in uh, 2K21. I'm like, what's right. the problem? What's the problem? <laughs> like, if you don't want right. to play us, don't play us. Right. <laughs> if you want to, we can give you buckets. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, like just for us to be um, it felt this year was the first year, I think, in the league where. I didn't feel as though we were quite so much an afterthought, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it's, it was really refreshing. And I, I really think there's a lot of components that we should consider um, out of the bubble season that we should, you know, kind of use to our advantage to continue to grow the league in seasons to come. And, you know, we're, we're about to, we're heading into our 25th season and it's, it's hard to say what it's going to look like, but I'm hopeful Um, based on the accomplishments we were able to have um, as a league. And I I keep trying to remind people of this post-bubble. You know, we had a platform because we play basketball. Like, we can hoop. I mean, we can hoop. And the basketball is good, um, but that's not where it stops. And so we're just – we do what we do as best as we can, Mm -hmm. and the right people are going to know. I'm – I, I told you I'm going to remix a little bit, but I'm remixing. Um, you know, there was a time in sports where it was like, obviously, like, shut up and dribble. And that mm-hmm. was, you know, that was happening. And I think, you know, now if you look at sports, you know, our our lives are intertwined. You know, obviously, right. like you said, the WBA is, is represented from 80 percent black women and, you know, continuing to kind of amplified the message. And I think, you know, we did an amazing job shedding light on on Breonna Taylor and, you know, all the, the women that were lost to police brutality and, you know, the countless Zoom calls. I know I know, I felt like I was on a lot of Zoom calls, so I can't imagine how many Zoom calls you were on. Quite a few. <laughs> yeah, quite a few. And she was making it happen. She was making it happen for the rest of us. But, you know, we're, we're doing a lot. And I think, you know, the Zooms that I will remember, I guess I'm going to ask you the zooms that you're gonna remember you you're mm-hmm. gonna remember most from the wobble and the ones that I'm gonna remember most from my side the ones that I'm gonna remember obviously having the opportunity to kind of be on a zoom with Brianna Taylor's mother yeah um, Tamika Palmer to kind of just obviously be on a zoom with Michelle Obama I mean everybody loves Michelle Obama and and when we all vote campaign but to to kind of be on those zooms and have them thank us was kind of the thing that it was like you know, want you to like, you get choked up because it's like, you're thanking us, but you've lost a loved one from police brutality. Right, right. Um, and I guess, you know, just wondering which, which Zooms, obviously they were all impactful, but which ones are you going to always kind of remember and look back on? Definitely the two that you just brought up. And um, especially because, you know, when we were, when we were on the, on the Zoom call with Ms. Tamika Palmer, like Granted, I was immersed in the entire conversation, but I just couldn't stop looking at her and just 
and just really trying to fathom the strength that this woman has with her daughter dying and being murdered in the way that she was and still being available to us to talk on Zoom calls. And I know for sure that wasn't the first Zoom call, the first meeting, the first anything that she had done. You know, she was reminded of her daughter everywhere she looked. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was so resilient of her to speak about how she wanted us to spread awareness and the love that Brianna had as a person and just like the laughter that she had. And, you know, in times in which people would, you know, dig deep into pain, it just signified to me that black women, even through all the suffering, they still have to be the strongest. And that's really what, what I got from being on the zoom call with Miss Tamika Palmer. Now, of course with Michelle Obama, (laughs) (laughs) that I think that was like a one-time experience for everybody um I'm not gonna lie like I was like in a green room before they put us all on the call and she was like hi Neca and I was like (laughs) I was like like, oh me (laughs) I was like wait you know my name (laughs) it was just it was completely surreal it felt like I was meeting her in person like that's just how magnanimous she is as a person um And I think especially too, um, one thing that I loved about that conversation with her is it wasn't just about vote, vote, vote. Like she was educating us about why our vote matters and what people fought for to vote, how you can engage. Like she really left us with um, examples of ways that we could, we could hang up that zoom call and go and implement what we had learned. And I think that that's really, that's something that I lean heavily on. Like I really um, I really try to lean hard on like educating myself and hopefully therefore educating other people. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny. I was just listening to a podcast and Charlemagne, the God said ignorance, if ignorance is bliss, he quoted it from someone else. He said, if ignorance is bliss, why are more people happy? You know, I think it was Thomas Jefferson that said that. And so I like, I listened to that. I was like, that is so true. You know, because we have so many people living in their blissful ignorance, but those people yeah. are still quite unhappy. And right. um, that that's kind of what I felt when I was learning about uh, voting. And I'm not going to lie, like, I learned so much about the census mm-hmm. from the Honorable mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams. Yes. I didn't realize how important the census was until this year. And so just being able to be on those Zoom calls with people that you never thought you would meet in a lifetime especially experts in their field for you to be able to educate yourself and then us use our platforms to educate other people was huge. Even talking to you right now, I'm just like, you know, you think of so many people, Stacey Abrams, Alicia Garza, you know, all those people that were continuing to kind of help educate us so then we could in turn educate others. And I just know that, you know, this isn't this isn't going to be a one-time thing for for our league, you know. Obviously, you know, what we did was was amazing and it felt great, you know, making a huge impact in the season, in the bubble. But you, like you said, you know, we need to continue to kind of go beyond that. And, you know, even when we're not in season and in the 2021 WNBA season, we're going to continue to kind of spread and, and amplify the message. I hope that, you know, the things that we're, we're kind of educating people on and, and asking people are going to continue to kind of get better. And I think, you know, the last thing I want to talk about before we we turn to, to voting is the vote Warnock, you know, having the opportunity to kind of be on another call, another Zoom call with with Reverend Warnock, who somehow was intertwined with Lisa Borders, our old commissioner, for those that don't know. I don't know 
if this is so you have to check me on this but yeah um sue educated me on and our team on reverend warnock was she the one that that first started um with this with him yeah so the way that i i think that that was probably the most exciting experience that i had in um the wobble um when it came to you know just kind of the revelation of these connections between lisa borders reverend warnock stacy abrams um, I think it just really speaks to the network that we're a part of um, and the outreach that it has. And so as as all of this news was unfolding, um, that ended up, I guess, I guess having like it, it ended up with people's expectation of us having some type of response. Yeah. Um, I've said from the beginning, I don't think it's on the players to decide what happens or what action needs to happen in these cases. But like most people usually experience as players, we're out there, they see us and they expect us to say something or not say something. Right. Um, and in true WNBA fashion, we know how to organize and mobilize. And with that, um, we found it um, most imperative for us to ask. And it, it's just, it, was, it just so happened that we had an EC member who plays for the Atlanta Dream, Elizabeth Williams. Yeah. And so our first question was, what do you need from us? Because you know, granted, we're all in this league and everyone represents this league, no matter what ownership or management or whoever. Um, and so we asked Liz, like, what do you need from us? And so she deferred to her team. She was able to get everyone's sentiments. And then from there, um, Sue really just spearheaded it. Um, I got to be upfront though, like for, for in the beginning, it was like, it, we were ignited by it. And we were like, Hey, what can we do? What can we do besides like put out a statement? Right. And as we were trying to figure it out, um, we were also meeting with Ms. Tamika Palmer. We had Zoom calls with Michelle Obama and we had so many other, I mean, it was the beginning of the season. The SJC, the Social Justice Council was doing so much. And so in a conversation that me, Sue, and Leja had, we told Sue, we said, hey, we think that this is actually a prime opportunity for allyship because we had reached, it was funny because Sue was so enraged because these the comments that were made were, were on behalf of someone towards all WNBA players. Right. This someone just happens to own a team. But, you know, Sue took offense to it as everyone else did. And me and Leisure were like, Sue, we, we got to be upfront. Like, we're used to <laughs> we're used to people saying crazy things, like as Black women. And they want us to get some type of, you know, reaction. Um, but we do agree as a whole that we need some actionable change. And so we told Sue, like, we're like, hey, this might be a perfect example of allyship. Um, you know, behind the scenes. And so Sue really spearheaded us figuring out how we can get the shirts and then us being able to really roll it out in a way that um, that signified the importance of educating ourselves in our communities um, while we as athletes can use our platforms for change. And most importantly, having the backs of the Atlanta Dream, um, our sisters on the Atlanta Dream. So that's kind of really how it rolled out. And it ended up working out beautifully. And it was just, it was, it was just really dope. I think that was when everyone was like, did you see the WBA? Like, whoa, like, can you believe? I mean, like, that was like, was nobody knew. It was just no like, one knew. <laughs> yeah. And also too, like even small details, like we wanted to ensure that every team that wore that shirt walked in with a nationally televised game and yeah. that the first team to do it would be Atlanta. So like there's, it's just hearing people out and understanding like what people feel and how we can move together to make it work. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, for those that don't know, obviously we walked in, it was simple. It was nothing crazy, but the shirt yeah. said vote, vote Warnock. 
Um, and from wearing those shirts, all 12 teams, we raised, we helped Reverend Warnock raise over 185,000 and 3,500 new donors. So, you know, obviously just continuing to kind of show people that we have an impact and, yeah. you know, what, what we're saying, uh, we educate ourselves, you know, we're not going to kind of represent something that doesn't equally represent us and, right. you know, what we're trying to, to accomplish as well. And what we're doing on the outside is what's happening on the inside and vice versa. Like people have to understand that. Yes, we are. We are doing our homework. <laughs> we are. <laughs> Shifting gears a little bit, November 3rd is like coming very, 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 very soon. Happy Halloween, by the way. Uh, oh, thanks. <laughs> they, said, they said it's supposed to be a full moon, but it's nighttime here. In Russia, it is. So it's actually a blue look. moon. Really? Yeah. I hope I can see the moon. I hope you can. <laughs> um, so I guess starting with, with the election, I voted. Already, I'm just say that because I had to vote before I left for Russia. Washington is only a Malin voting state. So the ballots were sent out October 16th, got mm-hmm. mine, sent it in, and now I'm in Russia. Did you vote? If you haven't, how are you going to vote? Just kind of start there. Yeah, um, I did vote. I voted early. Um, I want to say it was on October 16th. Mm-hmm. Um, at a center just around the corner from my house. There's several like voting locations and... Um, yeah, I voted early, um, in person and I encouraged my, my whole family has two as well. Um, we typically vote early just because it's more convenient and, um, we, we really, we have the privilege to be able to do it, you know? And so I think that that was just what worked for me. I waited in line for maybe like 90 seconds. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't, I had my mask on, um, in at, at I think at all Texas polling locations they have um, they have little finger condoms <laughs> for you to be able oh, to, for you to be like <laughs> yeah so I kept I kept mine I, I have my little finger you should sleeve. use that for like when you go to the <laughs> you have to touch the screen anytime you yeah. want to buy something yeah so I have that I have my little sticker um, so yeah I voted early and um, I'm happy that I got it done early. I'm I'm actually really, I'm really happy too that like the bubble ended in time for people mm-hmm. to be able to vote early. So I thought that was really important as well. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think that, you know, having the opportunity, obviously like we still have, even with the the COVID times, you know, we, we still have a lot of players from our league that are playing overseas and for them yeah. to be able to hopefully have gotten their ballots um, or uh, voted in person is huge because, you know, Obviously, every four years, we're a part of a very, very important election. And this, I was talking to someone the other day. Um, this is my third presidential election that I've been a part of. I first started in 2012, and it's just kind of worked out that way that when I was 18, it was 2012. For right. me, this is the most important one that I've been a part of. And mm-hmm. to make sure that everyone's really, you know, voting and and ready to do it. And like like we were talking about earlier, doing their homework, you know, realizing the people that you are voting into office. And if you don't know, don't just pick someone because you like their name, like educate yourself, you know, look this person up, see what they believe in. And if those beliefs align with your beliefs, then that makes more sense to kind of vote for them. Um, I guess 
When do you remember the first time that you voted? And when was it? And just give us the details. So the first time I voted, um, I'm four years older than you. So the first time I was eligible to vote was the first time we voted a black president into the United States. So I thought that was pretty amazing. Um, I had to do it early because um, of school. Um, And I mean, I will never forget the day specific to like when President Barack Obama was elected. I was, I was on my bike riding back to my, uh, my, um, dorm room on Stanford's campus and it was late. Like we had the late slot and, um, I was just riding through the quad and I just heard like an eruption of celebration. And I was just like, Oh my God, like we have the first black president. Like this is, it just, I, I, I just really couldn't believe it. You know, I, it was, it was just such a loving moment really. Um, uh, but also to speak to the importance of elections and like important ones, I'd probably say that out of all of them, this is by far the most important one, um, without a doubt. <laughs> this is definitely yeah. the most important one that I've been a part of. Uh, and most especially because this is the most I've learned in an election year. You know, I think growing up, you kind of, you have different experiences with voting um, based on your upbringing and of which can be linked to friends and family, like telling you who they vote for and who, who we identify as, as a, you know, a group or what, whatever you, um, whatever group you're a part of. And I think that kind of becoming your own person and learning about voting, learning about the things that matter to you, but most especially voting, not just for yourself, but for your neighbors and your community. I think that's one reason why we're in the position we are in now is because when everyone is voting, they're voting just for the person who's casting the vote and not for everyone else. And I think it's important for us to realize what that can do if we don't consider everyone Um, and also understand that we're all in this together um, one way or another. We talked about it as a league, you know, having strength in numbers. And, you know, that's the the same kind of message that we need to have as a country. And I think that, you know, when you bring that up and realize that you're voting for, for more than just yourself, obviously there's a, a selflessness to that. But there was also this viral video. I don't know if you saw it. It was like a teacher. And she was saying that her dad has always, you know, voted Republican for like 65 years and whatever and whatever. And they were kind of educating him on how Biden was, you know, trying to uplift women, whereas Trump is obviously not. Um, (laughs) And continuing to kind of advocate for women and make it better for women. And, you know, he was so proud to tell his daughters that he switched and he Mm -hmm. voted first time in his life for Biden and obviously a Democrat. Right. So I, I do agree. You know, I think it's it's things like that where, you know, realizing you're voting for more than yourself and, you know, yeah. have those conversations with your family and friends. And, you know, it might not be pretty, mm-hmm. but help help people kind of understand the world that we're living in and how we can we can continue to make it better. Absolutely. Absolutely. You... Chanae and your sister Olivia are working the polls at Toyota Center on November 3rd, which is amazing. You know, obviously there was a need for for a lot of volunteers to to work the polls, especially this year with COVID. And I think, you know, 
usually it's a lot of elderly people who are are the ones that are mm-hmm. uh, volunteering, but and it's it's probably not the safest for them to be out with large gatherings. What was the process for for you guys to kind of decide to do that? Is this your first time volunteering to work the polls, and um, what do you think it's going to be like? Yeah, this is the first time I've thought to do it, and it's the first time that I registered to do it. It's the first for all of us for everything. Um, the idea was actually Chinese and. Uh, I was I was having a conversation with her about like, you know, I was like, I want to do, you know, I don't want to just be sitting on election day, like staring at all of these publications and media, you know, to be honest, like I I try to avoid the polls at all costs just because of the trouble it's caused in the past. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was talking to her, I was like, you know, is there something else we can do? And she um she's partnered with an organization that was like, Hey, like this is an option. And I was like, Oh, wow, that would be great. Um, of course you have to register, um, individually. And so we did that and you have to go through it. Well, we're going to be election day clerks. And so we have to go through a three and a half hour training. You can be like an election day judge. You can be a greeter, you can be an usher. So as a clerk, you have to have a three and a half hour training. And so that, um, that more than likely means that, you know, um, for those who have voted, um, in person, you, you basically are checking people in and ensuring that they have the right documentation, um, ensuring that the, that the voters are comfortable, that there's no um, voter discrimination, most especially at, at the polling site. And um, I, it was such an eye-opening experience going through the training because they work so hard to implement, to educate, and to mandate and ensure that there is no discrimination on vote, on vote, on on voting day, on election day. And I thought that that was so important. Um, Even to the point where every polling place should be disability friendly, you know, and you're able to understand how to handle someone who may need an address change in their voter registration process. And um, it's just, it's so helpful to to learn about those things, um, to really immerse yourself in the voting process, but most especially to create an environment that welcomes everyone's right. You know, there shouldn't be any situation in which you have an experience through the voting process that is discouraging in any way because it Mm -hmm. is your right. And so I look, I look forward to celebrating that with my sisters, with the voters that day, while of course, um, practicing safe, safe voting in the midst of a pandemic. Um, but I have to emphasize that at this point now, you know, um, there's probably going to be a lot of lines and, um, it shouldn't be discouraging to folks, you know, even as an election day clerk, that can be daunting as well. So I'm, I'm hoping that we're able to alleviate those who usually, um, volunteer, um, who may not feel like they could have. And I look forward to a first time experience as an election day clerk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I look forward to kind of hopefully following on your social channels or wherever I can to kind of see how it goes. Um, I'll be in Russia on November 3rd. I was in China <laughs> in 2016 and I was at Yukon in 2012. So definitely have all been different experiences. And I think, you know, one thing I wanted to ask is, you know, people may be watching this and they're kind of like, you know, like you said, there's going to be long lines because, you know, we are kind of no longer voting early. Right. You know, because there's only so many days. And, you know, yeah, it might be easy to kind of just put your ballot in the mail because, you know, as long as it's postmarked by November 3rd, then it's supposedly 
um, is going to get counted. And what would you tell to those people who are kind of like, I don't want to wait in a line or this or, you know, being around a lot of people and taking the easy, easy route to to kind of vote by mail? Right. Um, You know, I think that one thing that I've educated myself on is just how differently um, voting restrictions are in different states. Like you just said, you have you have to mail in your ballot, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and then even even in the middle of all those voting restrictions, there's been so many different changes that have been made this year simply due to the pandemic. And um, although voting by mail uh, has clearly been an option that that many have been advocating up until this point, you need to look at your specific state's um, requirements, whether it needs to be postmarked by November 3rd or if it needs to be in the hands of someone by November 3rd. Um, but to be safe, if you end up not finding that information, um, finding a Dropbox would be ideal. Um, and I, I also love advocating for voting in person just because you know it happened. <laughs> you were there, yeah, you, saw you know, um, but I do realize as well that that can be that's that's a privileged experience for a lot of people, um, especially in a pandemic. But if you absolutely can, um, that would probably be the best option. Um, but there's still ways to do it other than the one way you believe that there was. And it's just really finding out where your resources are. Yeah. And I think, you know, just continuing to kind of echo that message is, you know, just because you're doing it late doesn't mean you don't do it. Yeah. Don't get yeah. lazy. Don't get lazy now. You know, it's not yeah. the time to kind of get lazy and be like, oh, I'll, I'll do it next time. You know, make sure that you, you're you able to vote. If you're able to vote, make sure you do vote because, you know, yeah, it's only one of millions and billions or however many people are in this country, but that one could make a big, big, big difference. What I want to know or like hear your thoughts on, obviously, you know, voting was our big emphasis and like big push as far as, you know, September was census, right? And September and October was like voting, making sure you're registered to vote and vote and vote and vote. And now what can people do? Like what advice would you give to people that, you know, even after the election, how can we continue to do better? and be better. And, you know, not just waiting for the election, the next election in 2024, but the local county, um, state elections, all those things. Um, I would definitely say like, because even in my um, voting journey, I'm still learning what I can do too. you know, outside of, you know, once election day is over, it's not over, you know, there's still, there's still always educating yourself about the election process understanding what the rules are when it comes to voting in your state, but also understanding that it's not every four years, you know, it's not every four years that you vote. There's so many other votes that are, that are actually as impactful, if not more Mm -hmm. in your direct community. Mm -hmm. And so also not waiting until those votes in the primaries also occur, but educating yourself about the candidates and the leaders and the politicians in your area that um, allow you to engage with your community in a way that aligns with your beliefs and the greater good of all of your neighbors and um, family and friends. I think it's important to to learn more about who's leading your community and learn more about how they can do better um, and also learn about who else you can have lead your community. It's, it's, It's constant, you know, it's constant. And change doesn't happen overnight by any means. 
Um, and I, I'm encouraged, especially by um, the nature of this voting season mm-hmm. uh, for the future of where we see progress heading in this country in many respects, but specifically when it comes to um, civic engagement. You know, it's a it's a it's a domino effect. Like you said, you know, the ones that we're voting in on all different levels, it's not just the, the federal election or the presidential mm-hmm. election. Looking at Georgia's Senate seat, you know, someone voted her into office. Someone voted Attorney General General Daniel Cameron into office. And now, you know, we're looking and we don't like the decisions that they've made going forward. But now, you know, I feel like there's been a little bit of a turning point where people realize like, okay, this is this is on us to to change it. And it's not right. just the the president. It's yeah. all the other things underneath that. Um yeah, that kind absolutely. of make it whole. Yeah, definitely. And I'm even a little bit, I mean, I'm encouraged too, because um, as you see people get, be, you know, become more engaged, they understand how people are elected and maybe even encourage them to be um, politicians in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, you're right. People voted those people in. Um, I'm a little bit, <laughs> I'm a little bit more encouraged because the current senator in Georgia actually replaced somebody who I believe died. So she is looking for an election of the people Right. that, I mean, we'll see what happens there, but, <laughs> but I'm glad that we were able to kind of, you know, like shed light on that, mm-hmm. you know, especially through um, our efforts, not just with like Bolt Warnock, but in that process, we were able to understand more about, you know, flipping seats and what that means. I think right now, um, four seats can be flipped to feel more comfortable in the Senate for, um, for the left wing. Um, and understanding all of that is important. And also understanding the evolution of, you know, politics in this country is very important. It's probably for another story, but I also even believe that, um, the nature in which we have a two party system is incredibly detrimental to our country, you know? And I think that that's a big reason why we're experiencing so much divisiveness now, Mm -hmm. Um, but right now we, we, we know what it is and we got to do what we got to do to be able to make sure everybody's, everybody's good. So, um, we need more people like Stewie doing podcasts. That's for sure. (laughs) I mean, we need more people like NECA doing what she does and continuing to represent us. NECA, just, just wanted to say thank you so much. I think that, you know, obviously what you're doing as a player has always been great, but what you're continuing to do as a person is, is even better. Thank you for, for kind of volunteering to be a um, voting clerk. And, you know, for those of you who were not voting clerks this year, make sure that you continue to volunteer next year. Really. Thank you so much, NECA, for, for kind of being a part of this and hope it didn't take too, too much of your time. No, thank you, Stewie. And I got to say, there's not a lot of number 30s in the league. And so I was very happy to know that you and I yes. share the same number. Yes. <laughs> we we do share the same number. And you're definitely right. It's it's not. And now, you know, more people are because of Steph. But we, we were 30 way before then. Way before. <laughs> So before we go, I wanted to kind of give you guys a summary on my last 30 days. I 
didn't realize until now that my last recorded episode was on September 29th and it is now Halloween, October 31st. And a lot has gone on in those 30 days. Um, as you can see, I finished my time in the Wubble. We were able to sweep, you know, we won the semis 3-0 and and then we're able to sweep the finals, um, bring home another trophy to Seattle, which was an amazing, amazing, amazing experience, no matter if there was fans there or not. Um, something that I'll never forget. And I think, you know, as you heard Neck and I touching on earlier was the fact that, you know, this 2020 season is going to have a gold star next to it because of all that we were able to do on and off the court and, you know, how much we worked, not just as on our basketball skills, but on, you know, continuing to educate ourselves and educating the ones that are um, in our circle and, and just those that are following us. I think that, you know, we're we're going to continue to kind of amplify the message and continue to be better. We're putting that pressure on ourselves as leaders of the WNBA and, and women in sport, and we're going to continue to do it, you know, hopefully even when we're not in a bubble. And hopefully in the 2021 season, we will have even more messaging to kind of put out to to those that are paying attention to us and listening to us. And I think that my most proudest moment of 2020 of the WBA season was not winning a championship, but it was being able to to kind of do what we did as a whole, you know, to, to really be united across the board with our league, to continue to educate ourselves, to continue to spread our, our messaging and our awareness and continue to kind of, you know, fight for things that need to be fought for. They shouldn't have to be because we are in 2020, but we need to continue to fight for equality. And that is in the black community and as as women. With a league that has 80% of black women in it, we need to continue to do better. That was bigger than than winning a, a ring, another ring. That being said, I definitely am very happy to be able to have another ring, especially alongside Sue Jewel and and just really our entire team. I think that, you know, one of the most important things from our team is just the way that we're able to play together. You know, there's no one that's looking at themselves as better than anybody else. We're continuing to kind of come in, do what we need to do and get better. You know, we we were able to do a hard thing in 2020, walking away with the trophy. And I'm just looking forward to what's going to happen in 2021. Aside from the bubble, I mean, I guess if you guys want to know when I left the bubble, I took the first flight out of Florida and and went back to Seattle. I did that for two reasons. I was ready to get out of the bubble, which makes having a sweep even more sweeter. And the second reason was that once I finished my last WNBA game, my clock to start for when I need to be overseas starts. So I had two weeks exactly, so I wanted to make sure that I was home in Seattle. Um, I actually made an East Coast trip, saw my family, because I hadn't seen my grandparents or my dad in a year, just because of everything that went on. You know, when I left from Russia last March, we were in obviously in the midst of a pandemic like we are now, and I didn't want to risk going and seeing them because I didn't know if, you know, I was a carrier of the virus and I obviously could not imagine giving it to anyone that I love, let alone someone that I don't know. So I was able to go see them, brought my dog 
He loved it. And then went back to Seattle. And I actually had a crazy, crazy travel to get to Russia. For those, again, that don't know, Russia is closed. Uh, you can only come here if you have a work visa, which I do because I work here. I'll just tell you a little bit about my days leading up to it. So in order to get into Russia, you need to have a negative COVID test. So all season long in the WNBA, we're doing the um, non-invasive nose swabs in the back of the throat. But I had to get a rapid PCR test to come to Russia because I needed it back quickly. I needed the results quickly because you have to have the results within 72 hours of getting to Russia. So you're probably like, well, this is easy. But it took me forever to actually get to Russia because I had to fly from Seattle to Chicago, recheck my bags, which was a pain in the ass. Then I had to fly Chicago to Istanbul, which in Chicago I had to show my negative test. Chicago to Istanbul, eight-hour layover. Istanbul to Moscow, which again, had to show all my paperwork, test, this, that, the other. I had to change airports in Moscow. There's three airports in Moscow, in case you didn't know. And then I think I had like a six-hour layover. And then I flew to Katerinburg. Ye Katerinburg. That's how it's pronounced. Yes, so I am in eastern Russia right now. The day I got here was October 23rd, and it was snowing. Other than that, we've our team has already started playing. Uh, we play once a week, and then we have EuroLeague hubs because, you know, EuroLeague, we play different countries, and with the restrictions, we can't get into these other countries, so we're having, like, these little bubbles in each, um, in certain cities. I think the first hub is, like, the first week in December, and then in January, and so on and so on. But, I mean, I'm happy to be here. And I think that's the one thing that I would say to people. Because if you're wondering why I went to Russia with all that's going on in the world from the coronavirus, it's because I want to play basketball. And I love playing basketball and I love what I do. And if I have opportunity to do it where I'm still going to be safe, which I am here in Russia, then I'm going to do it. Uh, I don't want to be out not playing any more than I have to be, especially coming back from an injury. So, yeah. Day-to-day in Russia is pretty simple. So I'm in this apartment and you guys can't see it right now, but it's actually a very modern apartment, which is shocking for me when I first got here because my first apartment in Russia, I was actually in a city called Kursk, K-U-R-S-K, whereas that is south of Moscow and now I'm like super, super east of Moscow. was definitely giving me a little bit more traditional vibes as far as the architect, I guess. And I had like this big like painting on the wall and all these things. So now I'm in Ekaterinburg. I have this nice apartment, which I'm very grateful for. And I think what I do most of the time on a day-to-day basis is I work out and I practice. And then I'm here, you know, cooking, watching shows. I'm getting my condo remodeled in Seattle. So I feel like I'm like tuned into all the the HGTV shows because I feel like I'm like almost on the level of an interior designer. So yeah, I mean, we just practice. And I think, you know, here in Russia, they are, we're not getting tested every day, but we are getting tested, I think, once every five days and before and after we play every team. And that team that we play also is tested before they play us, um, just to make sure that there is no one that, no one is putting anyone at risk for the virus. And, you know, like I said, this is, this is probably the, the club that everybody wants to be on and they treat us really, really well. And we have the the luxury of being able to charter wherever we go for road trips. So once again, less human interaction with people that aren't in our actual circle. That's 
Stewie's life in a nutshell in Russia. I mean, that's it. That's a wrap for Stewie's world. I want to thank my guest, Neka again for, for kind of being a part of this because, you know, it was a super powerful podcast that, you know, people need to hear. Pre-election and post-election. For all the fans out there, continue to subscribe to the Uninterrupted YouTube channel. For more episodes, for audio podcast listeners, subscribe to Stewie's World feed wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Brianna Stewart, and stay tuned for more episodes of Stewie's World. See you next time from Russia.